You're listening to episode 107 of the Business of Making podcast. This week, we talk about our book club book, Story Brand by Donald Miller. We hope you enjoy it. Do you want to make it as a maker? This is the Business of Making podcast with your hosts, Michaela Denvers, Deb Engelmeyer, and Jess Van Den. We know from experience that growing a handmade business is bloody hard work. We're here to make it a little bit easier for you by dishing out reality-based, no BS, tried and tested advice on how to make your business work. Tune in every week for an honest conversation on what it really takes to make a creative business a success. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another week of the Business of Making podcast. I'm here once again with my amazing co-hosts, Jess. G'day all. And Deb. Bonjour. And this week we are doing da, 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 book club, which is a really <laughs> fun thing that we do. How often do we do book club? Every second month. Every second month. So if you yeah. want to know when we're doing a book club and what the book is, keep track of our Facebook page and we announce the books and also ask for book recommendations there as well. But before we jump in, we are going to give a little shout out to one of our wonderful Patreon supporters and the shop. I'm going to do lots of like little (laughs) drum rolls with my voice here, which is really silly, but anyway, (laughs) is Glenda from Inspire in Motion. So thank you so much, Glenda, for the support. If you would like to support Glenda, Glenda sells quality supplies for making stuff. So there's lots of jewelry, making supplies, yeah, beads and accessories, buttons, jump rings and charms, all sorts of cute little things that you might like to use in your handmade items. So thank you so much, Glenda. Oh, the website is inspireinmotion.com. So it's not emotion. As I'm saying it, it sounds quick when I'm saying it. So it's inspireinmotion.com. And that goes to Glenda's Etsy page, which is really beautiful, by the way, too. Glenda, well done. You've got really nice graphics in your head of there. So thank you again, all our patrons. We really appreciate your support. And let's jump in to our episode. So our book this bi-month, that bi-monthly, or does that mean twice a month? Fortmonthly? It's so confusing. I think you say once every two months because that way you know. There should be (laughs) a actually not in your ears. I got to the mute button in time. You did. Well, see, this is what's so confusing because bi-monthly can be twice a month or every second month, so you're never quite sure which one it means. Okay. It's like bi-weekly. People use that. Americans, I believe, don't use fortnightly, and I'm like, but that's so much clearer than bi-weekly because I'm like, is that every second week or twice a week? (laughs) I think we should just say fortmonthly. Fortmonthly. (laughs) Fortmonthly. I was going to say fortmonthly is the thing. That doesn't work. Fortmonthly. Do you know why it's called fortnight? No. Because it comes from 14 nights. Because it's two weeks. Ah. So fortnight is a shortening of 14 ah. nights. Okay. So da, 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 da. our book this fortnight is Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. It's a New, New York Times bestselling author Donald Miller of Building a Story Brand. Clarify your message so customers will listen. What do we think? Gals? Well, I want to start with a disclaimer. I read this book a couple of years ago. I really wanted to reread it in full for this episode, but I haven't had time. I read two chapters and then I just got way too busy so if but I you say remember things else the general gist of yeah it I do I remember before. that 
pretty well. And it's something that I've read more about in other books as well. So the general concepts I'm, I'm pretty familiar with. I might just, I don't have quotes and I don't have highlighted little bits like I like to do. So I think Jess is as that though. She has us covered. They just <laughs> rely on like, me to be the good student and do the reading. I don't know. <laughs> what is I this? I went to read it, full disclosure for me. I got it on Audible and I still probably will, but I got to like the end of the first chapter or the beginning of the second chapter and he's like, now I'm going to ruin movies for you forever. And I was like, dun, 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 no. <laughs> so I stopped listening at that point because I love movies. You've gone and read summaries instead. I have read summaries, but <laughs> I will continue reading it. I will. I just have to not worry so much that I already know that there's a formula for movies. So I'm sure it will be fine. Yeah. Really. Yeah. There's a formula for any story. You that out. Actually, before we dive into that, yeah, maybe we'll just explain what the book is about. Yeah. And then mm, good idea. Jess. So what is the book about, Jess? <laughs> oh, my God. Seriously. Okay. I finished reading it last night, so I have read the Paul book. She's very fresh. Yes, I am. So basically, it's turning your business into a story, okay? That's building a story around. But he takes you through this process of understanding this story arc. If you've studied any literature or reading or writing or whatever, you'll understand that there's an arc for every story and there are certain aspects of a story that need to be there for it to be an engaging story. There's a main character. The main character has a guide and the main character has a problem that needs to be overcome. And by the end of the story, the main character has either succeeded or failed in overcoming their problem. That's basically it. Uh, So he takes you through this and breaks down these different elements, takes you through and gives you examples and then teaches you exactly how to apply this to your business. I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was a very nice way of framing things and it put stuff into a higher narrative, which I think is very, very helpful. It kind of ties back into this idea of having a vision for your business. So thinking it at a bit of a higher level. So it encourages you to do that. And then it gets down to brass tacks and actually gives you concrete examples. Like you should have these five things on your website. Here's five ways of using the story brand system to market your stuff. And none of what he says in here is groundbreaking or unique or anything. Why it works is because he's put it in a larger framework that helps you understand the power of what you're doing here. So that is what it's it's all about, really. Definitely a basic book in the sense of this is what you study when you study branding, design, marketing, almost like a prerequisite if you're going to do Mm -hmm. anything in this kind of area, which you are if you have a handmade shop and you're listening to us. But if you've never actually thought about this thing in in this way and heard about it, the first time you read it and you've heard Mm -hmm. about it, it is groundbreaking and you're like, wow, my mind is blown. It's just that when you've been in this industry for like 10 years, you're kind of like, okay, yeah, well, I know that. But yeah, I remember when I read it thinking it's like short, nice sentences as well. Like it's easy to read, which I think is really nice. It was really easy to listen to too. I know moving forward that I will be able to listen to it quite easily and take everything on board. Like it didn't seem confusing and it seemed really straightforward. And also he narrates it, not like the last one that we listened to, which I really did not enjoy (laughs) listening to at all. So this was much nicer on Audible as well. Okay, so the story in a nutshell, I'll just read it out to you because I think it's helpful. Here is nearly every story you see or hear in a nutshell. A character who wants something encounters a problem before they can get it. At the peak of their despair, a guide steps into their lives, gives them a plan and calls them to action. That action helps them avoid failure and end in success. And he gives some examples of like Katniss in The Hunger Games, Luke in Star Wars, and then he goes through and discusses here's their guide, here's the plan the guide gives them, here's the call to action it gives them, all that sort of stuff. So then he goes and he breaks down every single one of those elements of story in relation to business. 
Now, a big mistake a lot of businesses make, which I think this book is good at clarifying, is that they make themselves the character, the central character. But like the wrong yeah, person. But you yeah. as a business owner are not the central character. Your customer is. You are the guide who gives them a plan yeah. and helps them solve their problem. So I think that mm-hmm. is very powerful. I think it's one of his quote, isn't it? Like you're not the hero of your yeah. brand, your customer mm-hmm. is. Yeah, exactly. Like so I think that's incredibly I think useful. That's, yeah, I think that's a big mistake that a lot of new people make is when they're even thinking about, I often try to tell people when you're doing your product descriptions, put it in story form. And if you haven't ever come across this concept before, then that's really, really difficult to do. So I think reading this book would really help with that. Mm. But a lot of the time they then, you know, tell a story about the product, but it still comes back to them and or like why they've made it or why they're selling it or whatever. But the spotlight always has to be on the customer. The story in the descriptions and wherever else you're putting it on your website it always needs to focus on that main character being your customer and not you. Yeah, and I think else. this is something that I see as well a lot in like about pages and yeah, product descriptions definitely, but it's often, and it's a bit of a sad realization, but it's like people don't really care about you. Like we just care about ourselves and your customers are the same. So when you go into explaining that you've been making this craft for 15 years and you have two cats and a dog and all, like it's all lovely, but it's not the first thing that people need to read from you mm. because it's mm. not engaging to them. Not because they're like, you know, mean people who don't care about your cats and your dogs, but because it's like, what's in it for me is Mm. the first thing that they're going to answer, that they want to read about really. And so I think in that way, it's really helpful because this is a big mistake. And I see it a lot with so many sellers that forget that and how to frame the wording so that it's Mm. all about the customer and not about you. Are you considering transitioning to full-time with your handmade business? If so, you'll be happy to know that I'm interrupting a conversation to talk to you about a guide that's going to help you do exactly that. We know it can be scary to jump into your handmade shop being your sole source of income. And so we made it a little bit easier for you by listing out everything we think that you should consider both on the personal and business financial levels so that you feel confident you can transition to full-time safely and that you're not forgetting anything. You can get the guide at thebusinessofmaking.com slash getfreebies and that's all in one word, getfreebies. And you'll also find the link in our website at thebusinessofmaking.com. Back to the show. Also in saying that, was there anything in it, Jess, around how to tackle, like because we often say about how you should put some of yourself into your brand So people do care about if you're offering something the same as someone else, then they want to buy from people that they know. You know, the whole Simon Sinek Mm -hmm. thing is people buy what you do or the other way around, whatever. Mm -hmm. So did they cover anything like that in how to tackle like your about page and story of your own thing but still not focusing so much on yourself or was that not really Not really. I mean, in the section talking about the guide because that's who Mm -hmm. you are. So they talk a bit about how to approach that. But, yeah, it wasn't that. I I can't recall them talking about or him talking about that specifically. Mm. I think the important thing, again, to think of is, you know, all of your website and everything, it should be geared at placing your customer at the centre of the story. But you can put enough about yourself so that they trust you as a guide. Like you need Mm -hmm. to tell them the key details of why they should trust you in somewhere in there, like whether it's the second half of your about page where you actually talk about yourself rather than the mm-hmm. first part where you should be kind of talking about them. I think that's okay. But, yeah, your website shouldn't start off with, I'm this person and I no, do this yeah. because. I think it's really interesting though, like the students that I'm working with at the moment who are all starting their businesses and we're talking about vision and mission and 
there was just a point there where because I think storytelling is going to solve the world basically that's my general overview of theory <laughs> like because people buy into stories mm-hmm. and they understand stories and when they get to know other people's stories then they have more of a relationship and more affinity with them so we just had one example where all these students were telling me about their ideas I'm like cool cool, cool. yeah they're all fine but well, like why would I buy from you over anyone else who's doing the same thing and then one of the girls told us about her lifelong history of health issues that she's had and that she was helped a lot when she was younger because she had to be in by Ronald McDonald House and all those kind of charities. And then that immediately everyone was like, oh, yeah, well, we'd buy from you now because of we know your backstory mm. and we know why it's important that you then take a percentage of your profits and donate back to those charities. It had sort of come full circle in that story and I think it makes such a huge difference to that. So it's kind of interesting and we're not going to get into this today. And, Deb, I think you're going to talk about a little bit about the templating of the framework so much that it can feel a bit yeah. icky and that focusing so much on the guide being the expert or whatever mm. versus an actual also a human being, that's just an mm. interesting thing that once I finish the book, <laughs> it'll be interesting to know like how I feel about that <laughs> part of it probably. I feel like the guide is not perfect. I think that's very clear, mm. especially if you look at the examples he uses here, like Obi-Wan Kenobi, Hamish from The Hunger Games. They have issues. Mm-hmm. They have their own failings and problems but they know the thing that they're helping you with. They can teach you that one thing because mm-hmm. they are an expert in that one thing for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think yeah. this idea that the guide is somehow a perfect human being is not necessary. No, because it doesn't make mm-hmm. it relatable and like it's almost like not trustworthy if yeah, someone no. is perfect. And I think, yeah, there's two things, but maybe we can park it and, and come back to it. But there's two things I wanted to talk about around this is like the templating. I see a lot of storytelling and the nuances there is in, in storytelling. and when you when it's too obvious that you're trying to use storytelling, how it becomes off-putting, and then also how to apply that as a product seller because a lot of this you'll see in business that sell services or coaching or kind of like what we do as teachers or like in the expert like mm-hmm. online course kind of world. But as a product seller, I feel like someone reading that book would be like, okay, like I'm not saving people, like I'm selling a candle. Mm-hmm. So how to use storytelling in that, I think would be interesting to approach because that book, it does give example, I think in the book of, products like product selling you know they don't sell it as like a survival thing they sell it as something extra that you might want like a pie or whatever yeah no there are there are actually quite a lot of yeah i remember like the soap skin you love to live in and things like yep. that yeah and um he even uses apple as an example yeah. the company so there are quite a few examples of product-based businesses in the book but I think it's so much easier to apply this to a service-based business than it is to a product-based mm. business that is definitely true yeah it's mm. a lot more straightforward. Like it's obvious, yeah. mm. oh, I'm a guide because I'm teaching you something and I'm trying to help you solve a problem in your mm. life. Because it's the before and after state, right? Yeah. Like before I teach you, you're in this hopeless state and then after I teach you, you're going to be in this amazing mm. state as the guide being the seller. Before I sell you this candle, you're going to be candleless, mm. And after I sell you the candle, you're going to have a candle. That's the thing. You're not selling the candle. That's the whole point. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Actually, you I have, have to work a little out what you're It's the only one when I started reading because I, I did try I got to two, I don't know, one or two chapters, but I, I do have a few Kindle notes for that and then I stopped. But I have one there that's kind of relevant that says, the first mistake brands make is they fail to focus on the aspect of their offer that will help people survive and thrive. All great stories are about survival, either physical, emotional, relational, or spiritual. 
a story about anything else won't work to captivate an audience. Nobody is interested. This means that if we position our products and services as anything but an aid to helping people survive, thrive, be accepted, find love, achieve an aspirational identity, or bond with a tribe that will defend them physically and socially, good luck selling anything to anybody. Mm. Yeah. So that's what it's all about. You've got, you can't be selling the product. You need to be selling the story behind the product and how it's going to actually help the person, mm. you know, and I sell jewelry, right? So obviously there's aspirational identity wrapped up with that. I sell wedding bands. So that's you're romance. Selling, yeah. You're selling love, a dream. Yeah. yeah. Selling a dream that this, you know, thing will be there for the rest of your life representing your mm. marriage. So it's actually easier for me to come up with stories about the wedding band aspect of things than is the other jewellery aspects of things. It's a bit more obvious. But you need to work out what it is, what's the story, what's the Mm. thing that you're selling, what's the problem you're solving for someone. And it all, yeah, it all goes back to knowing your customer, right, Mm -hmm. and knowing why they're buying the thing that they're buying. Is it just Mm. they're literally buying it so they can feel good and then you're selling that good feeling? Yeah, I think I like that specifically because it opened up a bit like what the problem that your character is having doesn't need to be something like how to do something or how to fix an issue they're having. It can be a sense of belonging, identity. So essentially if you're selling anything that's on decor related, there's a reason why this person wants this type of home decor and it's a social thing. It's mm-hmm. a bond with a tribe, as he says in the book, yeah. which, you know, when they have people over, they want people to say certain things about their house. Like some people will want people to walk in and go like, wow, this is so modern and, you mm, know, very it's elegant. so chic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So chic, yeah. I would hate if someone came into my house and said it's so chic because it's just not me. And I'd be like, oh, wow, okay, that's not what I wanted to, you know. Mm reflect I don't yeah reflect (laughs) that's not my identity that's not my identity and why do they do that to be accepted by the people who also like relate to that kind of vibe and aesthetic and so there's that and then there's the internal I think he covers that in the book too like external versus internal Mm. issues and problem you're solving and sometimes it's just feeling good and it's just Mm -hmm. a sense of like actually I feel great I feel relaxed I feel like my home is cozy and not just like a house I feel so all of these things are really important. And yeah, as you said, Michaela, it comes back to like knowing your customers so well that you're clear on that. Because you can't just say, this will make your house feel like a home. It's what kind of home? Like dive deeper, like exactly how does this person want to feel when they walk through their door or when they invite people over? Yeah, so he has this section where he says, "What these are the three crucial questions you have to ask about this whole thing. Uh, and he says, remember the greatest enemy our business faces is the same enemy that good stories face, noise. At no point should we be able to pause a movie and be unable to answer three questions. So the three questions are, number one, what does the hero want? The hero being your customer, being the main character. What do they want? Number two, who or what is opposing the hero getting what she wants? And number three, what will the hero's life look like if she does or does not get what she wants? So you should be able to answer those questions. For your customer, what mm. do they want? What's stopping them getting what they want? And what will their life look like? And that will be part of telling the story of your product because you're addressing those things, maybe not blatantly, but mm. in all of your copy, you're addressing those mm. things. And the other one is when it's talking about marketing, which I like this as well, it calls it the grunt test. There are three questions potential customers must answer if we expect them to engage with our brand. Number one, what do you offer? Number two, how will it make my life better? And number three, what do I need to do to buy it? And he actually goes into depth a bit on that number three one, which I actually really like because I see this a lot, especially in handmade business spaces. People are afraid to make it obvious how to buy from them. 
<laughs> he's like, so many people will be like, I make these things and then. And then I make these things. Yeah, yeah. right. Like, like, so what? There's no call to action. No, like, what no, do you want me to do with that information? Yeah, there's no buy now. There's no go look in my shop. And he talks about the call to action later in the book and that's a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. He gives examples and stuff. And you need to make it really obvious. Like the amount of handmade business websites I've been to where I'm like, how do I buy from you? Where is your shop button? Where is your shop link? Make it obvious. Don't hide mm. it. The whole point is to make it obvious. Yeah, also like get another pair of eyes to check that shit over. Oh, yeah, definitely. You need to remove yourself at some point and get someone other than mm. yourself because you kind of forget. You're like, yeah, it's, mm. it's obvious. And someone else comes in and they're like, there's no buy button. And you're like, oh, whoops, forgot that. Yeah. So it's really important to get other people to test out that customer journey for you to make sure it's actually all working, first of all, and mm. that they can even find stuff. Have a buy now button. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like your, your, shop, shop button. your shop link should be on your top menu. It should be pretty close to the top of your sales page, like your landing page. Like don't hide it underneath layers mm. and layers of other things. Make it obvious and then have it at the bottom as well. Like, so if they mm. get to the bottom, it's really obvious what you want them to do. <laughs> Go to my yeah. shop. So mm. don't hide it. Something you said in that quote as well was the idea of noise. Mm. And I think, I don't know, I can't remember how deeply he goes into that, but I, I remember him explaining a bit as well how you can't tell three stories at once. You need to have a message that you want to essentially pass on to your customer or potential customer. And if you try and mix that in with side stories, it doesn't help at all. It just makes everything noisy. And actually, wait, that's the other second quote I have, the only one, but look, just to, you know, to make myself feel good that I have two quotes out of the whole book. (laughs) I'm going to use it. It says, the second mistake brands make is they cause their customer to burn too many calories in an effort to understand their offer. And I think he actually explained how the brain works and how it is physically more demanding to try Mm. and figure out like you talked about like shipping and then suddenly there's something else about processing and it's in the same paragraph and they have to figure out why it's not separated and it's just too much and it's just people, it's, it's not lazy, it's not even the word, but it's just like it's not clear. And so you'll lose people instantly. And I think that was super interesting because I think we always try to do that. Or not always, but sometimes it's like, whoa, that is too much information. Mm-hmm. I did a shop review not long ago during a coaching call where there was a lot of that happening. And the reason being the seller is the kind of person that when she buys, wants all of the info. And fair enough, and it needs to be somewhere on your site or on your listing, but it doesn't have to be all in the same place, which in this case was all in graphics in the product photos, which I recommend having info in the product photos, Mm -hmm. but not to the point where it becomes a slideshow presentation. Yeah. And also when you start giving too much information, you send people onto a different path in their brain. They're like, oh, I I wasn't thinking about that, but now that you've mentioned it, I should go and check that instead. And you just kind of lost them instead of like trailing one clear path for them to go to cart <laughs> and actually purchase. So it's like simplifying your messaging as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I want to bring up one aspect of this. He talks about fear, so fear-based marketing, basically. So the section is the thing that helps them avoid failure. So the guide gives them a plan that helps them avoid failure, but it talks about this idea that there needs to be some sort of mayhem or danger in relation to it like that can be part of the story in a good story if nothing goes wrong it's boring Mm -hmm. there needs to be some sort of challenge or problem or issue tension tension yeah Yeah. so he talks about okay so how do we think about that when it comes to marketing so he references another book called building communication theory that proposes a four-step process called a fear appeal 
So first, we make a reader or listener know they're vulnerable to a threat. Second, we should let the reader know that since they're vulnerable, they should take action to reduce their vulnerability. Third, we should let them know about a specific call to action that protects them from the risk. And fourth, we should challenge people to take this specific action. So he talks about fear being like the salt in the recipe. You know, it's the thing that makes it interesting. It makes it tasty in a story. Like that sort of challenge, the mayhem, the problem is the thing that makes it interesting. So how can you use that in your marketing? And we see that a lot, like scarcity marketing, you know, buy now or you'll miss out. Buy now and get the discount. It's going to run out in this amount of time. Those sorts of elements of marketing. And honestly, that actually can be a very genuine type of marketing. If you say make one of a kind or limited edition items, that can be an incredible driver of sales because people know that if they don't buy it, someone else will buy it out from under them. Mm. So, you know, don't shy away from making that clear. If that is part of your business model, if you do make one of a kind or limited edition products, don't shy away from saying that because it's an honest reality and that if people want your thing, they have to get in quickly or someone else will possibly steal it out from under them. Mm. I think when it becomes a problem is when it's inauthentic, when we sort of add inauthentic This is where it can get really icky. Mm -hmm. I think this is where you can spot the person who has read the book or following a framework or following a different marketer from a mile away because they're all following the same fucking spiel. And I think it's really the point where marketing can get manipulative. Mm -hmm. And it's a funny line because I think generally the people who are listening to this podcast are on the total opposite end of the scale and they're like very human and empathetic and don't want to even promote their wares at all because their Mm. confidence is low, whatever. And so generally we're like, yes, you have to push more and people want to hear about your stuff and everyone's very concerned about not spamming people and all that kind of thing and everyone's very humanistic, which is great. So we kind of do need to push to be more market-centric. Like sales, yeah, Yeah. you need to sell. Yeah, Yeah. you have a business. Then Mm. there is that line and I think this is where it is and you need to be like once you get up to that point where you're, and I've seen it happen in these micro businesses who perhaps have been, you know, past students of mine or just who I've been following online and they're very timid to start and then they get a taste for it and they're like, oh, marketing works, marketing works. And then suddenly it's this full-blown fucking templated framework thing that they're just spruiking out and I'm like, oh, yep, you've hit that line there. So it's an interesting thing. Definitely. I wanted to talk about that. I mean, I don't know how much we want to talk about it because I feel like we have talked about it on other episodes and it's not Mm. really related to like product selling, but I think that people will recognize that in the online space, like work with coaches or courses or where people sell information and knowledge, essentially. Mm. It's horrendous. It worries me. But I think it's infiltrating the product. I really think it's starting to infiltrate the product space. But, you know, at the end of the day, this won't last Mm. because what's happened is that people have read book like that. There's another one called by Russell, whatever his name is, the guy that did ClickFunnel, whatever, that's Mm. very similar to that, but it's essentially like how to apply that to like a webinar and things like that. And so Mm -hmm. you'll find it's always the same structure. Hey, my name is Deb. I used to be like you, relatable, not perfect. I'm not a designer. I'm not a blah, blah, blah. But, and I had all these problems, fear, 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 and using stuff. But then I discovered this and now I'm going to teach it. And, you know, and all this story arc is the same. And then the transformation and how you'll feel after you take my program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's all so templated that it's like you you can tell it's not, it's, it becomes bad storytelling. It's like just taking the structure of storytelling and trying to template. It's your like ad libs. What's that game? Oh, yeah. 
Mad Libs. Mad Libs, yeah. And you're just putting your blue, <laughs> Michaela. Yeah, funny. and so everyone is doing the same thing. So it's losing its power. And I think that the better marketer are going to understand that storytelling is a little bit more nuanced than that. Mm. It's not that easy. I don't know. I mean, to me, that becomes icky because it's just like it becomes really manipulative and it works. But then I think the market, like the public in general, will eventually just be annoyed at it and just be like, oh, yet another story arc that I've seen 70 times like you mm. know well I mean even the name of it like fear-based marketing is really tells yeah. us what it is isn't it? it's exploiting people's fears like that's mm. not ethical <laughs> yeah it's funny that it's not like hope-based marketing with a little mm. bit of fear you know it's what mm. they're like it's fear-based with a little bit of hope because you can't tap too much into the fear or you'll turn people off so you have to tell them hope as well and it's like well why don't we just sell them actual plans get <laughs> I don't know. It's just, I struggle a little with that. And I know in that book, I was like, this is all interesting, but I can see how it's being applied in ways that I find disturbing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I think I'm a big fan of self-reflection and looking at yourself. And I think it's important to be aware of the reality of things. But let's use us, our own space for an example. I'm sure Deb and Mick, you've seen this so many times. Someone really wants to start a business, but they have so many fears in the way of letting them self-started business so they never started and in five years they're in the same place as they were and they're still trying to get it started and 10 years down the track it's the same thing I think sometimes you need to scare people enough that they take action those fears are nebulous and amorphous to them they're not clear they're not clarified they don't really know what it is that's holding them back so it never really moves them forward if you know what I mean Mm. so I think we can actually be helpful to people by clarifying those problems and those fears I think the issue comes when we overpromise how we can help them fix it personally for me that's the point where marketing goes skeezy if you're making yeah. promises to someone that if you take this program you are guaranteed success in your business you're mm. guaranteed to make x amount of dollars in this amount of time and you see a lot of that and I think that's false advertising and I think that's the real problem because I'm a teacher I can't guarantee somebody's success because yeah, they like are the one who has to do the yeah. work. You know, I can That's say your if you take this course, if you follow these steps, your probability of success is a lot higher yeah. than it would have been otherwise. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> there are still no it's, guarantees. There's so in life. many variables, right? Like yeah. we can't control all the variables exactly. of a person's life. So yeah, yeah, guarantees are a fallacy. Hey there, Maker. Are you loving the podcast as much as we love bringing it to you? If so, we'd love to talk to you about becoming one of our supporters. You can support us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Depending on your level of support, you can get perks like behind the scenes and extra special content, including video, a link to your shop on our website, and even a shout out on the podcast. Every month, we also release a secret podcast episode available only to Platinum Patrons. Just head on over to thebusinessofmaking.com slash support. And I think, you know, at least in the product world, I think it's a little more like you won't find these real fear-based product description. Like you'll never mm. see like, oh my God, if you don't get this candle, you're <laughs> going to get a divorce. Like that's it. <laughs> it's not really that applicable. So in a way... I think in different industries it is though. Mm. Yeah, industry probably. Product, so beauty products, any sort of diet yes. fucking products or like mm-hmm. exercise, yeah. anything like that. Definitely. Yeah. But if we're talking like homeware, it's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you then create that tension, I guess, is the question. Mm. Because there isn't a risk 
like survival or, you know, like starving and mm. it rarely physical. It's more often like an emotional thing that mm. you'll lack or that you'll, I don't know, like relational, emotional, spiritual, I think is what he was saying. Mm-hmm. And I think this is where you tap into like, it, it could be better. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Yeah, and like what what the person is yearning for. And it's like, oh, finally Mm -hmm. you'll be able to feel X, Y, Z because Mm -hmm. of this product or whatever, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I use in one of my courses, I use Maslow's hierarchy of needs as an example. You know, you, you're mm. generally our businesses aren't down the bottom of this hierarchy. Yeah. You know, we're not mm. we're not helping you find food or shelter or what yeah. water. We're towards the higher end, generally speaking. Yeah, most of us are selling stuff to people who already have a pretty good life. Let's be honest, mm. we're selling stuff to people who are already reasonably comfortable and financially secure, mm. because the people who are poor don't tend to spend their money on handmade goods they'll go to Kmart because it's cheap yeah and they can get what they need because that's their main motivator the people we're selling to money is not the main motivator or it mm. shouldn't be you shouldn't position yourself so that you are the affordable cheap option yeah oh you God, should be positioning so yourself as an aspirational product because that mm, is what yeah. you are you're an aspirational product that helps somebody solidify something about their identity or their lifestyle They want to buy that cute pair of earrings that goes with everything they wear that reflects their style. So that's what you should be aiming for. Stop trying to compete with at a price point. That's (laughs) sure you need to be somewhat competitive with your fellow handmade business owners because that's where someone's going. They want to go and buy from handmade product. But at the same point in time, a lot of those handmade business owners are making this mistake and underpricing because they're comparing themselves oh, to yeah. mass producers. Yeah, mm-hmm. this is something you see often in like vision, mission type exercise. I'm sure the both of you have done that with students. Well, because you said so, Jess. I'm sure that's like one of the first thing you teach them as well. It's you know clarifying kind of like what you're about and your brand and all of that. And often you'll see in the exercise, or not often, but sometimes someone will have in the mission for their brand or the vision for their brand or the mission for their shop something like we create affordable wear for blah 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 you know something and affordable or cheaper like that kind of pricing thing is in there and i'm straight away like oh no (laughs) we're gonna have to remove this not only from that sentence but from your brain as well because that is absolutely not how you want to position yourself and how that comes back into this conversation is exactly what Jess was saying was that you're competing as like stuff that's really high level like people don't need your stuff so you really need to dive deep into what they want it. <laughs> yeah. And it's a very big key difference. And it's okay that someone doesn't need your stuff. That doesn't mean that deep down they don't want it so bad that it becomes a need to them. But it's not a real need. Like, yeah, mm. realistically, no one needs arts on their wall. Like, that's not a thing you need. It's a thing you want. <laughs> well, and that's mm. the thing. Like, what is a need? It's different for everybody. Mm. Mm. I'm like yeah. looking online. I need a new pair of top. Yeah. And Do it's I like, really no, need a new really, pair? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've got a pair that are okay. I just kind of want a second pair of trainers, yeah. swimmers, yeah. swimwear is what togs are for those of you who don't know what the hell that word meant. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, need is different to everybody. Like someone mm. who is in our privileged position in the Western world, we all have good incomes. We all have stable lives. You know, <laughs> our idea of a need is very different to someone in a completely different life circumstance. So yeah. this again, it all comes back to knowing who your customer is, what they care about, yeah. what matters to them, what they need. You know, you need mm. to understand that. If you don't understand that, none of this is going to work. Mm. I just yeah. wanted to have a quick point about that mission, having the word affordable in it. Just as off the top of my head, maybe you are wanting your business to become 
bigger than yourself and you actually want it to be a social enterprise in which you're Mm. changing the world in some bigger way. And then maybe your mission does include that word affordable because Mm. you're bringing affordable whatever to whoever, but that would probably then include external funding. So like Mm. government grants, all that kind of thing. Like that would be quite tricky to do with handmade goods off you know and I think you're you just know, making it yourself the word yeah. affordable is totally okay to have in your like I'm sure Kmart and all these shops one of their key thing is we offer low prices like that's what their marketing mm. is about that's what their budget like their their buyers would be focusing on when they source products this is you know this is the whole game of the industry but in our niche that's just not the way to make a successful business unless you want no, to work especially if it's high, high quality plus low cost is like yeah, doesn't, doesn't work, work. Just mathematically it won't work mm. <laughs> Science. Scientifically impossible. So I think we've covered that in a good amount of detail. We would love to know who has read the book. If you want to jump on over to our Facebook group, which is thebusinessofmaking.com forward slash Facebook, that will take you directly to the group. And I was just scrunching up my eyes trying to remember and now I can't see anything. (laughs) It would be really good to hear what you guys thought about the book as well, what your main takeaways were. and how it might change what you're writing on your own website or product descriptions about your work. If you had any epiphanies, we'd love to know about it. Yeah, I mean, it gave me a lot of great ideas, especially for my Great and Thrive business. There was a lot mm-hmm. of stuff there that I was like, oh, I could just tweak that or I could do that a little bit better. Mm. And it also made me realise how much of this I've accidentally learned over the years Yeah, yeah. and implementing without realising what I'm doing. Mm, Which is always a good great. feeling. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm like, tick, yeah, tick, I'm tick. Top of yeah, that. I'm doing that. I didn't know why I was doing it, but now I understand why I was doing it. So that was really nice. Yeah. So, you know, you might find that yourself as you've kind of absorbed all these ideas and marketing techniques from places and then you read this and go, oh, okay, now I understand how that all fits together and how it makes sense. And I've already done half of it. Yeah, Yeah, which is nice. (laughs) And also, of course, we're announcing our new book. We are. And that is Wolfpack by Abby Wombach or Wombach. Wombach, we think. Anyone in the US want to correct me? Apologies if we Wombach. It's yeah. Abby W A M B A C H, I think. Yeah, yeah, okay. But if you just yeah type in the name of the mm-hmm. book, you'll find it. So it's a short book, book, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a little bit different vibe to the last two that we've read. Yeah, yeah a little bit less businessy, more feministy. I guess more so. feministy for sure. <laughs> yeah, feministy is the word. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> it's uh the subtitle or whatever you call that when a book is you know Wolfpack is the name of the book, but then there's like a sub thing says how to come together, unleash your power, and change the game. Uh-huh. And essentially yeah. she's an Olympic gold medalist and like FIFA World Cup champion, so like soccer player. And so I think she's retired now. Mm-hmm. So she is, yeah. It's about empowering women to unleash their individual power, unite with their park, and emerge victorious together. So yes. yes. Feministy, sporty. Michaela's gonna fucking love this. I'm gonna fucking <laughs> love this. She's like, yes. And it's a short book I think Jess suggested it, didn't you? I'm like, she's a soccer player. Yes, let's get on it. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I've heard her on a few interviews when I think maybe it was released last year or maybe 2019 or something and she was Mm -hmm. on a few podcasts and I was really enjoying just hearing her talk. And her wife is Glennon Doyle who's wrote Untamed. Untamed. Yeah, and a bunch of other ones as well. Yeah, which is also a very feministy book. The two of them are quite wonderful people. 112 pages. That's a short book. Easy peasy. So you two are going to have read the whole thing, aren't you? If we haven't read it, we're going to be in so much trouble, Mick. We have to do it. No, I'm going to start at the afternoon. I promise. (laughs) 
in yes. I'm going for a run tomorrow. Maybe I'll have it while I go for a run. There you go. Like, it's one downside of swimming. You, it's kind do you of have a run to, to a book? Does yeah. anyone ever run to books? It I depends. Know, like, Maybe. I well, tricky. I don't run at all. I don't so run either. That's just I not a thing. <laughs> no, it's not a thing. I think we already had an episode where we were talking about that and someone commented on it, either in the Facebook group or maybe it was in like a media account, but apparently I had said, I don't know why you would run when you can walk somewhere. <laughs> That's how bad I'm. I do, so, listen, yeah. I do listen to podcasts while I'm doing my weight training, so, you know. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm more of a music person, so I'm not sure I can do that. But anyway. We'll see. We'll see. And yeah, okay. you should be able to get this book easily. It's pretty yeah, you know, it's major published book. So yeah. yeah, ask your library if you need to get it from the library. Yeah, if they don't have it, say it's majorly published. <laughs> you should have it. <laughs> Please get it for me. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Cool. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for a nice chat, gals. Yeah. And thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you all next time. Bye. Bye. Come on, brain. <laughs> Those things, <laughs> the things that l- look like the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. The things you can make the stuff from. So we're going to do it six nightly. There's no Okay, I know this is killing everyone. Oh, my gosh.